This episode is brought to you by Splash Refresher. I believe in the three beverage rotation on my desk at all times. One for caffeinating, one for hydrating, and one for fun. But Splash, they spice it up by putting the fun and hydration in one. I don't have to dread my eight cups of water a day. I just drink Splash and like it. My flavor that I've been enjoying the most lately is the wild berry. Keep one on your desk. You'll be hydrated in no time. Find Splash Refresher today on Amazon and Instacart or at your local Walmart, Sam's Club, or Kroger. Betches Media presents Ha ha, laugh, funny Mention it all, a Bravo by Betches podcast We don't say that, but now we said it With me, Dylan Hafer Hold on, check me, boo Hey everyone, welcome back to the Mention It All podcast. I'm Dylan Hafer and it is Monday. We have a fun episode lined up. In a few minutes, I have a conversation with Daisy from Below Deck Sailing Yacht. She and I sat down and we talked all about the love triangle that's happening. Uh, We talked a little bit of shit about Gary. It was a good time. We finally got her in the studio. Uh, So if you are into this season of Below Deck Sailing Yacht, which honestly, you really should be. It has heated up a lot. Stick around for that conversation. But before that, we had to get to some uh, some more pressing orders of business. Of course, last Thursday was the Top Chef season finale, and I couldn't let this momentous occasion pass without chatting about this final episode and this really incredible season overall. You know, Padma's last season, we now know. Of course, I mean, this is this goes without saying. I did cry during the finale. I've cried during definitely more episodes than not of Top Chef this season, which isn't isn't necessarily a journey I would have predicted for myself. But you know, I don't hate it. I I actually would love to go back and listen to my Top Chef episodes from last year to to figure out how much I cried because now that I'm thinking about it, I definitely, I, I I probably cried when Evelyn went home. I probably cried when, yeah, I Top Chef, it's one of those shows that sneaks up on you. It's like, oh, we're making steak this week. And then all of a sudden it is tugging at the heartstrings. But of course, they were in Paris in the finale. Buddha, Gabri, Sarah, all of them bringing something special to the table. But right off the bat, Buddha drops the the tidbit that he has won eight challenges this season. And I'm sorry, but like I'm gonna I'm I'm going to spoil the Top Shop finale, by the way. Uh so if you if you haven't watched yet and if you really want to know, skip ahead 10 minutes or so. Um but I mean from the second Buddha says that he's won eight challenges this season, it's like, yeah, I think he's gonna win. He would have had to really to really fuck up this final challenge to for anybody else to make a compelling case to beat him. And, you know, I like Buddha a lot. I am a fan of his. I really liked him on the Houston season last year. I think he is one of the most, you know, technically skilled people it seems like that they've ever had on Top Chef. And he also, he, they, the judges note in this episode that he is so technically skilled, but he also he can still bring that soul and that personal touch to his dishes. It's not like he's just giving you something that is, uh, you know, precisely executed, but boring or, but, you know, kind of heartless. He really does bring the full package and, you know, he's won many challenges over the course of the season. So going in, I think he's kind of the obvious front runner, but then you have Gabri in his little beret. I, (laughs) 
I have I've really enjoyed getting to know Gabriel throughout this season and him embracing his Parisian fantasy meeting with Padma and Tom at the roof of the Gallery Lafayette to get their challenge Gabriel and his little beret that is that is beautiful that is what Top Chef is all about um yeah, I mean, the final challenge, they just get to make anything they want in a four-course progressive meal. Um, they get some sous chefs to come back, Amar, Tom, Ali. The one one thing that I will sincerely miss about Padma is how flawlessly she executes the branded inclusions in these episodes. And when they're, like, standing on the roof of the of the gallery Lafayette and we just, they cut away from Padma's face for like a full 10 seconds while she does the whole spiel about the contactless MasterCard. It is, it is seamless, but also so obvious. Um, And you know, that's the kind of thing I'm going to miss. I I think Top Chef does, does spawn con better than anybody else in the business. And you know, who else is going to send them to, Whole Foods in their BMWs with their contactless MasterCards, as well as Padma has done it over the course of these seasons. I mean, there is there's just nobody who does product placement like Padma. So uh, among other talents, I'm going to miss that. Everybody is really kind of leaning into the direction that you would expect for them in this challenge. Gabri is doing all Mexican, Mexican-inspired dishes. Um, Sarah is doing a sort of Southern Creole Jewish amalgamation. Um, and Buddha is doing a course based on all of the places that he comes from. He's doing a little bit something American, a little bit something Malaysian. There's a Hong Kong dish. Uh, the dessert is Australian. And he he brings up that last season, his final cook was really about his family members and kind of the people in his life and that this one is just for him. And it it made me think when he was talking about this and you know later in the episode, it comes up a little bit. Doing two seasons of Top Chef back-to-back like he's done has to just be one of the most draining, exhausting experiences. I don't know exactly how, you know, I'm sure there was a period of several months probably in between filming, but doing uh, an experience like that is so outside of the normal, like, day-to-day life of these people as chefs. And when you're working in a restaurant and you have a menu that is the same menu that you're making every day, having to go into this high-pressure competition environment and make new things off the top of your head every week, I, I can't imagine doing a single Top Chef challenge, let alone making it all the way through two seasons back-to-back and really never letting your level drop even a little bit. It, it, everybody on these shows is so talented and you know, they're all starting at a high level. There's nobody on here that is, you know, amateurish in the way that they're in the kitchen. But it really is when you take a step back, the the way that Buddha has been able to kind of run the table over these two seasons is kind of remarkable. I mean, it is remarkable. Sarah's dishes, you know, I I don't know. Some of the some of the food she makes, I'm like, I don't know. A liver and onions is not something that I would really think to eat her dessert is a a cake but she's making it with peas i it, it, there are just certain things where i'm like i'm not the world's most adventurous eater uh, i can accept that most of the things these people are making are probably delicious and are very you know well put together uh even gabri's corn tostada with grasshoppers on it i'm like i i would i would i think i would eat that i, I don't know 
where do, how do we feel about grasshoppers? I just, I don't know. I, I every to each to each their own. It's all you know. It sounds good. I actually think it sounds good. The sweet potato empanada looks great. Honestly, everything that Gabri does, I think that I think looks good. I would have some reservations about the grasshoppers, but I I would give it a try. I don't want to be over here like Cameron Westcott, chicken feet. Uh, causing a scene. I think that, you know, all of these different cultures and things coming together is beautiful. And, you know, in good faith, I would try everything. But yeah, I mean, everybody does a good job. The one, the one real major misstep in this whole finale cook is that Sarah's liver is very undercooked. I am not an experienced liver eater, as is probably evidence. So this is not something that I know much about, but Sarah immediately knows it's undercooked. Gail says it was really hard to even take one single bite of the liver. And Padma's like, Padma's like, not to, not to mince words, but my liver was just blue. Ooh, that's hard to come back from. I know Sarah is obviously she's, she's in it to win it. She is not going to count herself out. But when she's like, you know, the liver course was bad, but I think if I can win these next two courses, I might still be in it with a chance. And like, first of all, this is not the kind of challenge that's evaluated like with scorecards and you're winning or losing a round. Like, that's not really what we're doing here. It's not like when they go to the market and people are, you know, tallying up their scorecards. But also it's like, if you're saying, okay, me, they liked all three of our desserts, but Sarah's was a little bit better than the other two, or maybe, you know, Buddha's lobster bisque was like a little bit better than the other two dishes in that course. That's a lot different than, oh, this one was good. This one was good. And hers was inedible. <laughs> like that's more of a, it's more of a, a demerit against you than it would be if you just, if yours was like a little bit better. Like, I don't know. Sweet Sarah. I like her a lot. I've been following her on TikTok. Her TikTok is really good. She goes through, this is really smart. I think a lot of the top, sh the chef testants, they don't call them chef testants anymore. I miss that. Um, I don't think a lot of them do a great job of capitalizing on the platform that Top Chef gives, but Sarah has been on TikTok of late and she is recreating some of the dishes that she makes on Top Chef. She's doing some Q&As about the experience of being on Top Chef. I think that is fascinating. I think she is a, a, a lovely person. And, you know, I've enjoyed watching her over the course of this season. To be honest, I, I don't think she ever really was super in the running in this finale. I don't know. I mean, like I said at the beginning, it was hard to really envision anyone but Buddha coming through in the end, unless there was some major misstep. And the thing is, there just isn't. You know, there's one or two comments about, oh, this could have had a little less sauce, or this could have had a little more texture, or, you know, the dessert is maybe a little too, <laughs> a little too well plated. That Like, when that's the feedback that you're giving somebody that their dessert is like, too elegantly plated, it's like, I mean... <laughs> Well, fuck. I mean, Sarah's lobster was blue. So liver, sorry, not lobster. If the lobster was blue, would that be bad? I suppose so. I don't know how it would get blue, but um, they're like, it's just such a good meal. All of the guest judges, I guess, are super 
well-known people. That's not for me to know. That's for the contestants to be intimidated by. But when they're serving the last course and they're describing it, Padma's like tearing up about how much they've grown and how great it's been all season. And I do feel like in that moment, she kind of knew that it was her last, her last moment on the show. You know, they don't, they don't acknowledge it. I was kind of hoping we would get a little bit more of a, a send off, like a, a, a Padma goodbye. I don't know how that worked if there were, you know, contracts were negotiated later or if Padma was still on the fence or maybe she hadn't even really thought about it. But the way she teared up at the last course, I was like, I think she knows. I think she knows that this is her graceful goodbye. And of course, you know, she was crying. So I was crying as as Top Chef goes for me. In the end, it's no huge surprise. Buddha is declared the winner, the first Top Chef world all-star a really, a really great moment. We, I love that they always show us in the confessional him calling his wife and letting her know. Like, could we not have flown out the family members for the finale? I feel like that would have been a nice touch. Like, you know, on Survivor, sometimes how they do like a loved one visit, like they're not even that far away. Like, it's not like they're on some remote island in Fiji. It's like just, just you know, like fly them out to Paris. Like each, each person should get like one loved one to be the the finale. I don't know. Would that be so hard? I don't know how like budgets work or literally anything for that. But Buddha does win. His wife reminds him that he couldn't have done any of it without her. Uh, Amen. Buddha, as much as I think he is a talented chef and a, a skilled contestant on this show, he does not give off the vibe of somebody who would be the easiest to live with and experience on a daily basis. So, uh, you know, major props to Buddha's wife also for, I hope she's enjoying that $250,000 cash prize furnished by uh, Saratoga Spring Water. Um, again, really really going to miss Padma telling us who's furnishing the prizes. Uh, one my favorite little moment, though, in the background, after Buddha wins, Amar and Ali and Tom are there because obviously they were in Paris for the challenge. And Amar is just like walking around in the background with a tray of champagne, like, offering Gail a glass, like offering Tom Colicchio a glass. And it's like, do they not have like a, a, a like server or a bartender? <laughs> like any, um, any member of production who could be like facilitating the champagne being passed out. They show two or three different times. You see Amar kind of standing there with the tray being like, uh, does anybody want the champagne? Like that, I felt like, you know, this season has been incredible. I was a little, I was a little confused what was happening there, but then Oh my God, they do. They do this toast with the whole crew, Tom and Gail, like making their little, their little speech. You see, you know, like the the cameraman and the producers and everybody wearing their masks and like it just this big like celebration of of what they've achieved. And I think this season of Top Chef has really been, it's felt like kind of a landmark moment, of course, in the history of Top Chef, just because it's the first time they've done this full international season and the first time they've done the world all-stars, but it feels like something, like something pretty unique and special in kind of the whole sphere of competition reality of cooking shows to have people coming together from so many different places in the world and to kind of bring them under one umbrella and really showcase what everyone can do and I think our similarities and our differences in such a compelling way, it it worked better than I even – I was excited for the season. I always have faith in Top Chef, but it, I think it, it surpassed 
my expectations just in terms of how delightful it was to watch. And, you know, of course, I assumed there would be people cooking at a really high level, but the way you feel invested in every single contestant, the way every challenge feels like it's bringing something, you know, really different and exciting to the table. I think the the production team, everybody involved behind the scenes on this season just, just knocked it out of the park. And obviously we're losing Padma, who was an executive producer on this season. I will be uh, extremely interested to see kind of what happens aside from Padma's departure with this show moving forward, because you know, I think this season was a success. I don't know how they feel about ratings, whatever, whatever. But like, do do Tom and Gail stay? Is there some kind of reboot refresh happening? I think it's it's going to be really interesting. Twenty seasons is a long time, and you know, who knows what will what will happen next? But I've really enjoyed talking about this season. I, you know, whatever Top Chef does in the future, I'm sure we'll be watching together. But in the meantime, don't go anywhere because my interview with Daisy Kelleher is coming right up. The weather is getting warmer, so it's time to ditch those jackets and sweaters for shorts and tees. I used to waste my money on clothes that would only last one season. That was until I found Quince. Now I've got high quality pieces that never go out of style that I'll be wearing year after year. Now that it's getting warmer, I just stocked up on the Quince Cotton Modal t-shirts. I love a black t-shirt that's the right balance of looking really nice, but feeling really comfortable. It's 50% cotton, 50% modal. It's lightweight. It's breathable. It has a little stretch to it, but it looks so put together. I also just stocked up on more of my favorite Quince socks because let's be honest, I am at the point in my life where I don't need to have any socks in my closet that have holes in them. I'm getting the Quince ones that are going to last me a long time. They're just the perfect staple to have in your wardrobe. Quince has all the seasonal must-haves like 100% European linen shirts from $30, performance polos, and versatile flow knit activewear. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. Plus, they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, which I just love. Upgrade your wardrobe today. Go to quince.com mention for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot mention to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com mention. Summer is fast approaching, which means more social events, more weddings to attend, more nights on the town, and hopefully more vacations. That's why I'm so thankful for today's sponsor, Honey Love, for covering us with the best shapewear. With Honey Love, you can feel your best even when you're wearing less. They've revolutionized compression technology, so you no longer have to feel like you're suffocating while wearing effective shapewear. Plus, they are the only shapewear that won't ever roll down, no matter how much you groove on the dance floor. For a limited time only, you can get Honey Love on sale. Get 20% off your entire order with our exclusive link, honeylove.com MIA. Support our show and check them out at honeylove.com forward slash MIA. When talking about effective shapewear, Honeylove's best-selling superpower short is the go-to. It has targeted compression technology that distinguishes between areas where you want more support and areas where you need less compression. Their signature X targets and sculpts your midsection without squeezing your natural curves. The superpower short is helping ladies everywhere sculpt and smooth from stomach to thigh by offering the perfect amount of compression. You won't have to worry about it rolling down, which is unheard of in shapewear, thanks to flexible boning that's hidden in the side seam. 
seams. This piece is also a booty lifter. Boost bands on the back of the thigh give your bottom an amazing shape. Treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com MIA. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com MIA. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. The summer vibes are just getting started, honeys. Shape your life with Honey Love. I am now joined in person for the first time ever, finally, by one of my favorite below deck yachties from Below Deck Sailing Yacht. It's Daisy. Hi. Hey, Daisy. <laughs> no, it's so nice <laughs> to see you in the flesh. It's so nice to have you here in the flesh. I was saying we've we've had you on before, but I know at one point you were literally on a boat that you were working on. Maybe the Wi-Fi was not the best. So to have you in, in the studio, it, it is nice. Yeah, I think, yeah, we've interviewed in lots of places. So yeah, this is, <laughs> this is a nice change. I mean, speaking of, you're in your third season on the show. You've been... You know, you've been around the rodeo a couple times now. What is it like coming back to this show year after year and doing the whole experience of obviously working the season and then experiencing it on TV? Yeah, it's a weird one. I feel like every year I'm like, oh, I've got this. I know what I'm doing. I'm prepared. And then every year I'm completely unprepared. <laughs> I'm like, what is going on? It's, yeah, it's a lot of fun. But yeah, every year is just, it's hard. Yeah. I mean, I think with Below Deck, one of one of the hard things about coming back, I'm sure, is that it's like, oh, it's fun, you know, doing the show and seeing the crew and everything. But you're working the whole season. Like, there's no way to do it half in, half out. No, it's exhausting. It's like, it's so interesting when people are like, oh, do you actually work? Is it scripted? I'm like, I've never worked that hard in my life. I'm like, <laughs> that season breaks me. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's a tough job. Well, and it's, I mean, the the below deck schedule in, in particular, it's these quick charters, the quick turnaround time. You're, you know, everything is on 10 for the show. You know, you're, you're really like, it's a crash course in, in yachting and 100 it's you know you're drinking every three days it's crazy hours intense gas yeah quick turnarounds it's i mean it's a whole nother level it's mm -hmm. another ball game to normal yachting i actually feel like this season your interior crew is pretty on top of it like you you haven't had a lot of issues with stuff not getting done or you know the, there hasn't been fighting between uh, your junior stews. I know. I've been lucky nice. this year. No, definitely. <laughs> it was it was refreshing. And it's kind of nice to see, you know, the boys having a difficult time because uh -huh. I think they're always like, oh, Daisy and her interior team, there's so much drama all the time. And now it's like, it's a boy's turn. No, the girls were amazing this year. Yeah, you have a, you have a chef who doesn't seem to be... Um, <laughs> you know, on the verge of a mental breakdown every day. That's no, fun. No, 100%. The <laughs> girls were, honestly, we we loved our crew. Like every van ride, it was the girls. It was, you know, very much girl power this season. Yeah. Did you, at the beginning of the season, those first few episodes though, it felt like nothing was really going wrong, but then there was still a lot of pressure being placed on you. And, you know, it was 24-7, Daisy this, Daisy that, Daisy. Do you feel like there was more kind of, pressure coming down on you than there has been in the past from outside? Yeah, 100%. It, the, it was a it was a weird season for me. I was, you know, I went in and, you know, of course, nothing's perfect. We're a brand new crew. It's a brand new season. And all of a sudden I was like, you know, Daisy, you need to do better. And I'm like, okay, I don't really sleep and I'm running around. <laughs> I'm not really sure what else I can do. And, um, you know, and obviously then I put pressure on myself to do a good job. And I just wasn't feeling like I was doing a good job. And 
yeah, it was it was difficult. It mm -hmm. was hard. I, you know, I want to I want to do well, and I I was getting to the point where I was like, I'm not actually sure what else I can physically do. So that was a bit of a struggle. Yeah, I mean, seeing those charter guests. Uh, I think it was the second charter maybe go up to Captain Glenn and basically being like, it was terrible. We didn't have toilet paper. It was so bad. It's like, no, it wasn't. Uh, no, I was, that was, I was like, um, okay. I was like, you can ask me. Like, I, I don't expect you to not have toilet paper. Um, that was a little bit strange for sure. But I was like, we didn't leave the dock and your biggest problem is no toilet paper. I was like, okay, whatever. Yeah, uh, we need to get you on a boat that doesn't break. <laughs> I know, I I agree. I hate that boat. <laughs> when the, the, the engine at the beginning of the season was one thing, but a few weeks ago when there was just like smoke churning out of the back of the boat, I'm like, what is... What is happening on the yacht? We were convinced it's cursed. You know, at the beginning of the season, there was a dead bird in the boat, and we're we go all the way back to the dead bird. We're like, it started. That was a bad omen. We're like, where did the dead bird come from? And then you know, it's a broken engine and smoke, and now the toilets in the latest episode. Um, yeah, oh, nonstop. God. The to the toilets were really that was tough for me. I it was, was disgusting. <laughs> it was way worse, by the way. Like I, it basically splurted up into our cabin. So like I had to go in with like gloves, bleach, like clean all the walls. It was disgusting. It was vile. <laughs> if anybody thinks that being on Below Deck is glamorous, no. watch watch that episode. It definitely isn't. <laughs> Did you so? We just got a look at the mid-season trailer and what's to come. Obviously, uh, things have been rapidly developing between you and Colin over the course of the last couple episodes. Going into this season, did you have an inkling that things might be kind of shifting in your relationships with Colin and Gary? Yeah, definitely. I think Colin and I kind of always knew that there was something there between us as there was between Gary and I, but, you know, Gary never kind of, yeah, it was hard to take him seriously. Um, he didn't really tell me he had feelings for me, nor did he kind of try anything. But obviously we had something between us. Mm -hmm. I mean, everyone saw that. And yeah, the same with Colin and I, he just always had a girlfriend. Um, so I didn't know what was going to happen during the season. I knew something, but I I definitely didn't predict to the extent mm -hmm. of what was going to happen between the three of us. Yeah, it was funny because when the when the first trailer came out for the season, everybody's like, love triangle, love triangle. And then watching those first few episodes of the season, it's like, I don't know. I don't know when that's going to kick in because you're mad at both of them. <laughs> I saw a comment being like, they lied. There's no love triangle. I was like, oh, wait, it's coming. It just happened overnight. What was so there was that there was that charter that you were, you know, kind of having a tough time uh, when Gary had been invited to have dinner with the guests, which just feels like, you know, better, better not to go there. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> but at that tip meeting when Glenn was having the conversation with you guys and Colin kind of made the comment that I think I I agree that it seemed like it was pointed at you. What was kind of going through your head those couple of days? Oh my gosh. I just, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't get above water and it felt like every time I tried to speak, I just got, I like watching back. I, I really did I thought take, took everything quite gracefully and it just felt like every time I was like they would literally ask me a question and say oh why didn't this happen I go oh well and they go please stop talking you're being really defensive and I'm like oh okay <laughs> I'm like, I'll just get back in my box and um, so I I just felt overwhelmed I felt I couldn't speak I I 
was struggling not to be defensive, but I also was struggling to fight for my team. And yeah, I, I didn't really control it very well. I got very emotional and yeah, just kind of got overwhelmed really. Mm -hmm. I do. It must be tough though, when you feel like there's kind of in among the department heads, it feels like Alicia's not really getting involved in anything. And then you have Gary and Colin that are kind of, you know, seeing eye to eye. And then you're the only person that's kind of on the other side of it. It's like, I think to be honest, um, every season I've always felt a bit lonely. I think I never really felt that supported or seen. Um, and this season was no different except for the fact that, you know, Mads and Lucy massively had my back and, you know, straight after that tip meeting, they came down. So I was incredibly upset and they were like, Daisy, we're on your side. Like mm -hmm. we see everything that you're saying. And, but unfortunately they're juniors, so they don't have the same, you know, voice to speak up at a tip meeting that would not be appropriate because it would be like what Colin did. Um, so yeah, I just felt not seen and not really supported. And yeah, I mean, it is what it is. I'm kind of used to it at this stage. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like, yeah, watching Gary over the last few seasons, like he kind of has this this pattern a little bit of like, you know, he'll, he'll say the right thing and then he'll kind of fall back into like the, you know, boys will be boys kind of like attitude sometimes. And so maybe it feels like you can't really like depend on his support. Yeah, for sure. No, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's like every step he takes, he takes a hundred backwards. <laughs> I'm like, um, yeah, it's, God, it's, it's never ending. And I really think unless you're a chief stew and you know, I, I don't want to compare my job to anybody else's, but I'm not quite sure they understand the level of management that I take on. And, you know, I completely understand Colin's job is incredibly hard and very skillful, but it was frustrating speaking on behalf of a management role. I'm like, you manage yourself. <laughs> like, yeah, I've got the guests, I've got the crew. I'm, you know, also trying to manage Gary. Um, he, you know, even a chief stew manages a captain to an extent. And yeah, I feel like unless you're in that position, I don't speak on your job. Please don't speak on mine. Yeah. And the, the situation also that was happening with the stews being sent on the tenders when it would basically just be like, you know, a cooler of beer. And it's like, do we really need a stew there for the whole yeah. afternoon <laughs> when there's things that could be done on the boat? I mean, like things like that, where it feels like you're making your case and then it's kind of like, okay, we hear what you're saying, but like, there should be a stew on the That's tender. That's exactly it. You're basically yeah, saying everything <laughs> that I'm feeling. It was like, oh, Daisy, what do you think? And it's like, yeah, we, yeah, we hear you, but we're not going to take it on board. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, if it makes you feel better, I think anybody in any job has probably come up against that. <laughs> well, that's it. My job's no different to anybody else's. And I think that's kind of why everyone kind of kind of gathered behind me because I think it just affected so many people and they were like that's me like I you know I have that problem and work and they kind of almost felt seen they were yeah. like you know we're behind you on it and I mean it's fine it's it is what it is and I'll keep kind of trying to say my piece and I'll keep getting shut down and just kind of trudge along. Look, I mean, it's it's the best you can do. It's that's it. I do feel like I I hope you feel this. I think the fans and the viewers have your back. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I was I was really anxious with the season. Um, I did feel, you know, I, I got spoken to with the guys and they're like, oh, Daisy, you're really defensive and you need to take this on board. And so all year I was quite anxious of how it was going to be perceived. Not that I think I did anything wrong or anything like that, but I was overwhelmed with how much kind of support. And the, the, the boys aren't bad people and they I don't think they understood to the extent of how um, overwhelmed and stressed I was. 
So I don't blame them in any sense, but I do think, um, you know, it is important to listen when somebody's saying, hey, like, you know, I'm not okay. I'm feeling overwhelmed. I'm mm -hmm. feeling stressed. And I just want the guests to have a good time. That's This isn't, you know, any benefit to me. Like, I don't care if if the boat doesn't get cleaned. I'm like, we'll all go to the beach. Like, I'd rather that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, I would rather be playing on the water toys yeah, than like scrubbing a toilet too. I'm like, look, I'm just here, you know, to get the tip. So... Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> Do you think you said you were thinking about kind of how it was going to be received in the, in the three seasons that you've done on the show? Do you think you're more or less aware and conscious of how things are going to come across on camera? Yeah, definitely. I think I, you know, I'd be lying if I didn't say that. I think the first season I went in, um, very much just wanted to, you know, be myself and be a good shoe, but I think, you know, now I do feel like a lot of, which is amazing, a lot of young women, you know, people who aspire to be in yachting, people who aspire to be kind of in female management roles look up to me. And I do feel pressure, you know, not to let anyone down. And, you know, I think that's why I got kind of upset this season. I was like, you know, I'm really trying the best I can. And sometimes your best isn't good enough. And that's kind of hard to to come to terms with. So, yeah, I just don't want to let anyone down. You know, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm still myself and, you know, I'll yeah. always stick by everything decision I make but yeah I don't want to let anyone down I don't want to upset anyone um including my crew so yeah there's definitely pressure there mm -hmm. I mean first episode you're like I don't want to hook up with the deckhand and then <laughs> look you know like I, girl, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm, I gotta I gotta kiss as well you know <laughs> yeah bad move <laughs> Well, I mean, moving moving into this middle part of the season, Gary has this something going on with Mads on your team. I think we're at like three nights out in a row now. That's ended up happening. And then in this most recent one, you and Colin ended up in bed together. Do you feel like the situation between Gary and Mads at all kind of like, what was, when you were seeing that play out over the last few weeks, like, were you kind of feeling reactive to that or was it kind of a separate situation? No, I think it was definitely very separate. I really didn't, I, I had more of a feeling that Colin and I would get together rather than Gary and I. So the Mads thing didn't um, surprise me, nor did it affect me. I, I definitely made a conscious effort to try and stay out of it mm. because the other you know, years I got involved, that wasn't working. So I was like, change tactic. I was like... <laughs> Um, so I did try and make a conscious effort. Hence, like in the, one of the episodes, I didn't, oh, when Colin and Alex walked into the room, um, yes. I didn't actually ask Mads because I was pointedly not trying to get involved. Uh -huh. um, so, and if I had a, I did find out later on, I went absolutely mental because I, I'm not okay with that. But yeah, I just didn't ask her about her relationship with Gary, nor did I ask him a little, maybe a little bit, but I really did try to stay out of it. I mean, Gary is remarkably consistent across the seasons in his his patterns of finding someone to have a little fling with. And then, you know, he doesn't want it to be serious. And then she doesn't want it to be serious. And then all of a sudden it's like, why is it not serious? Yeah, I know. It's um, <laughs> like, she didn't say good morning to me. And she's like, what do you want? <laughs> yeah, this this season was, uh, was interesting. I was also <laughs> like, well, she didn't say good morning to you. I was like, God, I thought I was needy. <laughs> next level um I don't I mean Gary's behavior is definitely a little bit strange this season I, I, I watching it it does look like he's reacting to me and Colin 
um, I think he he was lashing out in some way. And yeah, like, I mean, by episode two, night two, he's like, can, can we be boyfriend and girlfriend? I was like, what? In Spanish. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> a, nice, uh, a nice touch there. <laughs> well, I think as after as if she said like, oh, you wanted to be my boyfriend. But like, no, I didn't. I said something else. Like, no one can know. Um, yeah, I don't know what Gary uh, was doing this season, to be honest. Yeah, I think it it is important as a viewer to remember that like we're watching it one episode a week, but all of this stuff is happening so quickly that it's like when you're talking about that night in between charters to, you know, what we're seeing next week, that's like 48 hours. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm sure the um, the emotions and the chain of reactions is a little bit messy sometimes. 100%. It's, it's you know, it's mad to look back on the season and you to feel so differently, to feel so collected and you know, not um, overly emotional, but in the season, you're so tired and everything, you're just in this bubble where, and that's yachting, where everything feels so important, where, you know, oh, you knock over a glass and suddenly you're crying and it's like, you know, 12 months later, you're like, what? I don't care. Like I knock over seven glasses and I'm not going to be affected by it. (laughs) But in that moment, everything, you know, is very, very intense. So it is important to, to remember that as a viewer to be like, you know, we react just the way we would not react in real life. We just wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what happens when you're overtired and overworked. Yeah. I am so happy that warmer weather is finally back and we can get back to enjoying some time in the sun. But the springtime always brings those unwanted guests, pollen and seasonal allergies. April showers bring May flowers and also sniffly noses and stuffed up sinuses. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. I have had seasonal allergies for pretty much my entire life. Unfortunately, there are definitely those days where I have canceled my plans because I simply just don't want to be out in the world because of my allergies. But luckily, Claritin is the perfect thing that you can just take at the beginning of the day. And it really helps with all of those symptoms, clearing up your eyes, clearing up your sinuses, clearing up your congestion. It's the easiest way to just get those allergies under control, whether it's in the spring, any other time of year. And it's designed for serious allergy sufferers. Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. This double-action combination of prescription-strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin Clear. Use as directed. Splash refreshers are the delicious zero-calorie beverage I'm reaching for again and again when I'm feeling thirsty for something flavorful. I believe in the three-beverage rotation on my desk at all times. One for caffeinating, one for hydrating, and one for fun. But Splash spices it up by putting the fun and hydration in one. I don't have to dread my eight cups of water a day. I just drink Splash and like it. Lately, my go-to office beverage has been the Splash Wild Berry flavor. It's so nice to just put a few in the fridge at the beginning of the week. Grab one whenever you want something nice and refreshing. It's just the right amount of flavor, just the right amount of sweetness. You know the vibes. When you want something refreshing, when you want something hydrating, Splash is the perfect thing to reach for. It perfectly blends refreshing fruit flavors with just a little bit of sweetness, all with zero sugar and zero calories. And it's available in five craveable flavors. Wild Berry, that's my favorite, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin 
Mandarin Orange. It's there to satisfy your need for hydration with a little flavor. Consider your hydrated self thriving. Find Splash Refresher today on Amazon and Instacart or at your local Walmart, Sam's Club, or Kroger. You're like the longest running chief stew we've had since Kate and Hannah left Below Deck, which I think they were kind of for a long time like the the people that were kind of the main characters. And I obviously sailing is a different show, but I feel like you've kind of taken up that mantle a little bit. And I know it's a nice feeling. <laughs> I was like, I remember when I, um, you know, first got interviewed for Blow Deck and I, I just was happy to get a job during COVID, to be honest. I was super, I was like, you want to oh, pay yeah, me? That yeah. Was your first season aired in 2021 but yeah, was filmed in, in july 2020 i think that's crazy yeah, yeah so not was, a lot of yachting jobs at that point no, i guess no i mean the whole world was was in lockdown and I'm, i didn't even think about doing multiple seasons yeah. um and yeah the girls have been so supportive to me and as everyone else so it's really nice to kind of fit into that role because yeah those girls you know did a you know set a really high standard and kind of bar for the show yeah and i think like you said oh i only want to do it one season it's like who is who is like a great chief stew and who is like the right person to kind of stay on the show and be like this person that is in our lives year after year. It's not necessarily the exact same thing. And so it, you know, it's, it's hard to know what to expect before you do it. Definitely. Yeah. I, you know, I just went in there, like I said, just be good at my job and that's all that matters. Um, and now I can look back on it and understand that you have to you know, be a likable personality. You have to be good at your job, but you also have to be fun on the nights out. You know, I understand the role a bit more. It just happens that I'm actually that person. <laughs> I really like to party yeah. and work hard. Well, I think if you weren't, it wouldn't have, it wouldn't click the same way that it does no, on the show. No, it's, 100% it's not. Yeah, you you need to have your, you need to shine your personality, but also, you know, work really hard. And, yeah. and it's not an easy role to fill and um, yeah, I'm really grateful to, you know, been asked back and to kind of fill that role. Yeah. Like you said, your first season was during COVID. And then last year you got to go to BravoCon and you were part of this below deck, you know, family at BravoCon. How how crazy was that to feel like, oh, we're here and there's all these people that are feel like they know us? Honestly, crazy. I was saying this yesterday because I did my first Watch What Happens Live actually live. Wow. <laughs> and my first podcast <laughs> actually live three years later. And yeah, Bravo was crazy for me BravoCon because yeah the whole experience has been during COVID and I live in Europe and everything I do was on Zoom like all of it so I didn't know to the extent of the mm -hmm. Bravo kind of family and the the fandom and all that so BravoCon was a real taste of it. I mean I felt like Tom Cruise I was like oh my god this is amazing um, but it was it was so cool to to kind of get to meet all the fans and see that love for Bravo yeah and I'm sure to meet the, the other people on some of the other below deck shows that you haven't necessarily had a chance to to work with it is kind of this like web of connections no, like definitely. so and so from below deck med is dating this person from this show like it's all it's always funny to see those connections in the no, other 100 because we don't really have bravo in europe it's just become really big since covid and mm -hmm. uh, so now everyone's you know a huge bravo fan but before that it really didn't exist so i came on and i was like oh there's like seven other shows and all this and then there's all the housewives and i was like oh my god there's so much going on i was like who yeah who's hooking up with who who's who i'm like it's a lot <laughs> Um, do you feel like, is there anyone that you've met from another Below Deck show that you haven't gotten to work with that you feel would be a good addition to your crew in a future season? Oh, God, that's a good question. Um, 
I don't know. I mean, addition to my crew. I, oh, or just I that you want to hang out with. <laughs> I mean, I always say, I'm like, the housewives can always come on as guests. I'm like, oh, super happy for that. Especially Beverly Hills. They're my favorite. Um, so I think they should come on and do, or an ultimate girls trip. They can come on the boat. I might be a little bit scared though. <laughs> I don't know if you, if it was a group, if it's like one housewife and then like a couple of their friends, that's fine. A whole housewife's crew. I know. I might lock myself in my bathroom. I mean, like, I know <laughs> I'm scared. I can't go be like, like, go sort it out. Um, it could be great viewing though. Great I, TV. I believe it would be. I don't know if you would survive. <laughs> Be like, oh, that's Daisy done. That's, <laughs> Daisy's quit and she's never coming uh, back. <laughs> well, we still have a lot to come this season. In the mid-season trailer, we get a look at your sister coming to visit. How did that come about? What are Was it a, a good she, experience? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we were just talking and she's like, I'm in Europe. Should I come out? And I was like, why not? <laughs> I was like, come. We what might as could well go just, wrong? Exactly. <laughs> bad move but uh no it was it was great you know having her there and it was it was cool for her to kind of get to see my little world and meet the crew and you know she's heard so much about Gary and Colin um and Glenn and obviously haven't met them before so that was really important and really nice for me and yeah it was just it was great having her there and I think yeah it just kind of breaks up that little bubble a little bit and probably maybe what we needed at the time yeah, getting getting some uh, some fresh energy in the room. Sometimes on these yeah. below deck seasons, it's like, wow, the eight of you have been out to dinner many times. <laughs> well, that's it. We we like that's why I think we just kill each other in all this drama. We're like, we need some fresh meat. We're just you know hashing up the same old crap yeah. all the time. So yeah, it was good to have her there. And then, how do you feel about? Obviously, there's stuff coming up in the rest of the season that is about your personal life and about Colin and Gary and you and whatever is going on. Is that something that you're ready for everyone to see? When the season was happening, how was that kind of experience for you? Um, Hard. I think it was hard for all of us. I think Colin struggled. I struggled. I, I Well, I know Colin and I struggled. I think Gary struggled. I don't think any of us are really looking forward to the end of the season, to be honest. It's going to be great. I mean, yeah, great for I'm everyone else, <laughs> but not so much for us. And it was it was hard for all of us, I think, for our personal lives to be so vulnerable in that time. But, you know, we're human and obviously there was feelings and, yeah, and we we tried to be as authentic as possible. And, yeah, we, we did have feelings, so we kind of lent into them and... Um, it's just hard to kind of, it's just easier when you just work and do your job. It's not so easy when you allow your vulnerability and your personal feelings to kind of be exposed to everyone and yeah. for people to see that that side of you. It's scary. Yeah. I mean, we started this conversation by saying that your interior crew is is uh, is killing it this season. And then it's like, well, something's got to give. Well, th- yeah, <laughs> this is it. I mean, I couldn't let there just be no drama with me and my interior. It's like, oh, the girls are great. So I might as well stir up the boss. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I'm certainly I'm excited to watch it and I I'm sure everything will, you know, shake out the way it's supposed to. Yeah, well, look, that's the right attitude. Everything happens for a reason and yeah. It was a lot of fun and, you know, yeah, all, all ends well. No, all's well ends well. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we, you know, you've done three seasons looking ahead in terms of the show, in terms of yachting more broadly. Where do you see yourself kind of going from here? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to know. I, I definitely am taking a step back from yachting. Um, I'm trying to do it less. I'm at that kind of point in my life. You know, I've done it for 10 years. So 
doing a little bit less in terms of the show. You know, who knows? I mean, you know, they've the show's been great to me, so I would come back if they asked me. But um, yeah, nobody knows. And I don't know, it's just hard to say. Like, my life has changed so much in the last three years. So I'm just trying to keep an open mind and, you know, enjoy being part of the Bravo family and just see mm-hmm. where it's kind of... Yeah, I'm just I'm just being a yes girl at the moment, okay. just saying yes to everything. I like that energy. Let's see. So you've done Sardinia this season, uh, Croatia, Croatia and, and Spain? Menorca. Yeah. Where, if you could just like pick a pick a spot on the map for next season, Ooh, is there anywhere on your uh, list? Look, we've got to go to like Fiji or something. Okay. That's where I want to go. So we're trying to get you out of the med next yeah, season. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I don't know if the Parsifal's going to make it there, I but. Don't think so. <laughs> It could be a good thing. It might not. Won't wish that because I'll actually be crew on the boat. (laughs) Yeah, no, we need a different boat in Fiji. Let's go with that. Okay, I like that energy. I, you know, we're manifesting. We're yes girl energy. Uh, Daisy, it was so great to have you here. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Thank you everyone for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, and follow the show wherever you listen. You can follow us on Instagram at Bravo by Betches and watch Below Deck Sailing Yacht Monday nights on Bravo. And until next time, be cool. Don't be all like uncool. Mention It All is produced by Dylan Hafer, Sean Kilby, Jorge Morales-Picot, and Rebecca Sousmacat. Editing by Jorge Morales-Picot. Social media by Dylan Hafer. Guest booking by Dylan Hafer and Ali Friedlander. Be sure to follow at Bravo by Betches on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you to our sponsor, Splash Refresher. Meet the water beverage that loves self-care as much as you do. Just because you have to hydrate doesn't mean it has to be tasteless. Splash Refresher makes hydration deliciously easy. Splash perfectly blends refreshing fruit flavors with just a little bit of sweetness, all with zero sugar and zero calories. I am going to go grab myself a wild berry splash now that I am done recording, and you should too. Consider your hydrated self thriving. Find Splash Refresher today on Amazon and Instacart or at your local Walmart, Sam's Club, or Kroger. Batches.